This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks, where kindred souls gather to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot, known locally as a February room, is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA, the North American distributor for composite developments, fly rods, and fishing accessories. Tech, precision, ingenuity, legacy. Go to cdfishing.us and follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Here's your host, Lauren Carnop, and this is The February Room. Welcome to the February Room. Today, my guest is Andrew Weiner. He is a author of the children's book, Down by the River, all the way from Albany, California. Thank you so much for joining me today, Andrew. Thank you, Lauren. It's great to be here. And I know that we're going to talk about the book, but for someone who is a writer of stories, I have to say that you must have a memorable fishing story, and I would love to hear one. You know, I'm sure this is true for just about anybody who is an angler of any kind. It's kind of hard to choose the ones um, that are your favorites. You're in Montana, so I'll give you maybe two quick ones set in Montana. Montana. The first was the, the first time I experienced the Mother's Day caddis hatch on the Yellowstone of a friend who's a writer who lives in Livingston named Walter Kern. And he invited me to, to join him. I guess it was late April. It was probably 25 years ago. And we fished and at that point I really 
didn't, I wasn't a great fly angler at that point, but caught some fish and was inspired to come back the next year and was waiting in a spot below uh, the Livingston Ditch, which is a couple of miles south of Livingston, and crossed a, a little um, side channel of the Yellowstone and just walked through and there was nothing going on. I didn't see any fish rising. I didn't seem to spook any fish. And then at about 1 p.m., suddenly, the air was filled with billions of caddis and the water was like a popcorn machine as fish were rising everywhere um, and the challenge uh, you know at that point was to try and get the, the fish to notice my fly on the water but it was just an incredible day of fishing you know where fish were hitting the fly so hard a couple of times that it almost felt like the the rod was going to be yanked out of my hands um, and you know beautiful Yellowstone browns and rainbows and cutthroats and it was just it was epic so really really great what luck I've never had that experience quite yet I feel that I'm it's it's always just my fly on the water and there's like nothing around it so I haven't had that experience yet but how wonderful is that and you said you had another story you wanted to share you know you were talking about how the February room is something that is to sort of get us through those those darker moments. And like a lot of people, sometimes there are nights where I'm not sleeping. And so what's the, the fishing scene that pops into my head these days? It's a trip I took to Montana again, to Livingston, and drove down to Yellowstone and was fishing in Soda Butte Creek um, and had one of those, those incredible afternoons um, fishing emergers to cutthroats all day, catching you know, probably several dozen fish. And, and I'll be honest, you know, we all like to say that it's really about the moment for us. Um, even if we're by ourselves and nobody sees us catching those fish, if you're fishing Soda Butte Creek, you're probably 50 feet from a highly traveled road and cars, cars are going by all the time. So it was kind of a kick to be in that stream with cars going by and a bent rod with an 18-inch cutthroat and just sort of smiling and realizing that people were <laughs> seeing it. I guess it's kind of, you know, felt great. And then, the, you know, the herd of antelope that was 100 yards away was pretty cool too, and the bison and, and all of that. So on those sleepless nights, I, I revisit that day over and over. Well, and it's also kind of one of those moments when you're like in this water and there's this amazing fish that you just caught and people are just driving by and mm-hmm. you know you kind of get so centered onto where you're going and I think it's such a cool parallel that you were right there in the moment and people just kind of pass it by you know kind of this great kind of picture but you know let's get to this book because um down by the river is a beautiful children's book and um I mean I think it's so great that the moment that you open this book there's a whole different types of flies and I think it's Actually, it was so funny. My son grabbed the book and he's like, oh my gosh, are we going to tie these flies? And I think it's so interesting that there's a children's book. And I guess, I don't know why, I don't even have a children's fly fishing book in my house, even though we're huge anglers and huge into the outdoors. Uh, What inspired you for this book? I am by profession a book sales rep. Um, that's how I make a living. I could never make a living as a book author. Um, and from the time I was in high school, I worked in 
uh, first the public library and then a bookstore and then became a sales representative. Um, and my mother was a, a great book person as well. My dad was a writer also. And so I'm just a, a lover of books and I do love telling stories. And I had this sense that if there were ever a, a story that I could tell, a book that I could write, it would be a children's book about fishing. It's what I'm most passionate about. And I hope that I would be able to convey that to both people who do fish and then people who maybe don't fish but are interested or even just to tell a great story that kids would enjoy. And I, I would just say about the flies inside the, the front and the back of the book, I have this incredible illustrator for the book named April Chu. And um, as I was waiting for her to finish a couple of other projects before she got to illustrate my book, um, I was tearing out pictures from all my fly fishing magazines so she would have a sense of what the world of fly fishing looks like. And I also bought her a couple of dozen flies um, with the idea that they would be used for the end papers. Um, but what was great was that as she started drawing and painting them, she became so engaged and sort of fell in love with flies. She went out and bought another five or six dozen. So in the end papers, there are almost 80 unique flies that she illustrates. And I know that that's one of the the favorite parts of the book for kids. They just, they love the flies and they love the names. And a lot of them actually do tie, tie them just as you said. So it's really gratifying. You know what else I really absolutely loved about this book is that the premise of the book is grandpa is taking his grandson and his daughter fishing. And I love that you had the mom was the main, the best, the bit, the great angler. Cause I think as um, a young girl, I don't think I've seen too many outdoor books where there's a female dominant um, character. And I think it was so great that you showcase that mom was a great angler. And I think for young girls who are also like, wow, like here's a woman with waders and hats and boots. And she's going on the water to teach her son as well to go fishing with her dad what made you decide to to start with uh, a female was there a reason behind that you know when i started i i was originally writing it with the character art the boy and his parents going fishing so from the very beginning it was going to be uh, a woman in, in get involved in the story um and then i changed it to the grandfather part of what was really important to me about the story was to show how fly fishing is an activity that can engage a family through the generations. And in this family, it just so happened that it was the mom who had gone, gone fishing with her dad, who's now the grandfather. I think the, the timing for when the book came out couldn't have been better in terms of where, where the sport is, in terms of participation by women and girls. Um, Orvis, of course, has started, embraced the 50-50 the on the water movement which is involving more and more women in the sport and on instagram i follow probably 200 women fly anglers and they're just extraordinary they're, they're, they're such an important part of our sport and more and more i'm seeing girls um, who are being brought into the sport as well there's a girl named her name is deegan and her instagram handle is march brown eyed done um, she and her dad fish together and she is just an inspiration. She fishes, she ties, she posts pictures of herself 
going to, to the creek where she fishes with her dad with a net full of trash that she picks up and every day she goes out and does that and she's such an inspiration to to other kids but even more i think she's an inspiration to the rest of us who you know are looking to young people to be the leaders and to be the stewards um, of the resource going forward she's just she's awesome Absolutely. That's so well said. Um, you know, we were also talking about prior to starting this interview about how it's like, I feel like reading this book, I'm like, this is my backyard. This is Missoula, Montana. But I also think that maybe it, it might not be, but I think when you start reading this book, you kind of get kind of dedicated to the story and the people. And you're like, this is my this is where I go fishing. Is there a place that this river is supposed to be? Yeah, a number of people have asked me that. Um, and my answer is pretty much what you said. It can be almost anywhere where you love to fish. It's a small stream um, in a beautiful place. It's it's autumn. I think so many of the, the places where we do fly fish have beautiful seasons, and autumn is a big part of that with changing leaves. Um I've lived in California and I've lived back east. So I fished in New England and I have fished all over the West. And to me, it could be Montana, Oregon, New Mexico, Colorado, California, Vermont, uh, New York, any of those, those places where we love to fly fish. Um, and I've sort of been exposed to other parts of the country where I've not fished, um, where people have said, yes, this reminds me of Tennessee or Georgia, um, North Carolina. Um, so those are places I'm going to have to visit as soon as I can. You know, it's actually, I think Pennsylvania is on one of my lists. And I, and I was actually even reading this book because I've seen pictures of Pennsylvania with the big trees right on the river. So I was like, well, maybe this is Pennsylvania. But I think what you were just saying is that I think when you love fishing and you kind of this book, you just really start to love these characters and teaching moment is such a loving moment between grandfather and um, grandson that you're just like, you kind of start picturing yourself in that, that moment on the river and, you know, the frustration of, you know, getting your fly on a tree. And um, yeah, I think you just develop the characters so wonderfully because the grandfather just seems very very patient um, with his grandson. And I think that's what you need to do with young, <laughs> with young anglers. You need a lot of patience. <laughs> with the illustration, how much did April have to, like, did you have to guide April with the pictures and the fish? Um, I, I thought I would have to. Um, April is a really talented illustrator and she had done a couple of other books before. Um, and as I said, I was saving some, photographs from fly fishing magazines for her. And then I took the additional step of going through my manuscript and sort of seeing where the page breaks were and putting in suggestions for what I thought would be appropriate illustrations for each spread. And I sent it to her and I sent it to my editor as well. And my editor responded and said, you know what, just let her decide what she wants to do um, and just leave her alone. So <laughs> the, the great thing is that I, I see the book as a very visual story. Um, the setting sort of leads to uh, the way that you're going to see it in your head. And when April was done doing the illustrations, there was only one that felt even slightly different from what I had in mind. And it's, it's the image where 
they're standing on the bank of the river and an osprey is flying overhead. And my vision of that had been that it would be from their perspective, looking up at the bird flying overhead. And she did it from the perspective of the bird, looking down at the river and looking down at them and with the shadow of the bird on, on the river. And it's a hundred times better than it would have been the way that I had suggested. But otherwise, it was very, very close to my vision of it. It's so funny that you brought that picture up because that was actually one of my favorite illustrations of that of this book because it was so cool seeing the osprey looking down. In my mind, I was like, oh, he's going to steal one of the fish. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of getting prepared that the osprey was going to make another sequel coming down and the boy was going to lose a fish. But um, yeah, I thought that picture was so beautifully done and the shadow was place so nicely with all of these bugs on these pages is there a fly that is your favorite i would say at this point that my favorite or my go-to fly is a purple haze um which is just the sort of the purple parachute atoms um to me it's sort of a great general attractor fly um nice and buggy and if fish happen to be looking up it's it's a a fly that they're they're likely to um, come up for. I, my girlfriend has started fly fishing. I have. I'm not a great teacher, but we go out and I, I do my best to to show her some things. And I told her from the very beginning. I said, when all else fails, we're going to use a purple haze. And it's it's in her head now. You know, do you have a purple haze for me? <laughs> um, and she's caught a few fish now, and she just. She loves going out. And where are you fishing in California? Like, where is your go-to place in your backyard? The, the closest good places for fly fishing are probably a, a few hours away. Now, I'm actually thinking of taking a trip at the end of this next week. I had some vacations been postponed because of the fires that we've been having. But one of the great, great places to go is up to the Mount Shasta area. Um, in that area, there are a number of legendary streams um, the upper sacramento river the mcleod river uh, the pit river and some small streams um, so i love going up there there is um, the north yuba which is up in, in the sierras and there are lots of beautiful streams up there as well um, and, the, and the main stem of the yuba which is a bigger river uh, that has salmon steelhead and trout um, not quite the beautiful location that say the Mount Shasta area is or the North Yuba, but it's a, it's a pretty cool fishery. Um, so those are the California places that I like to go, though, you know, if you go through Yosemite and you head to the Eastern Sierra, um, Hot Creek, the Owens River, places like that over near Mammoth, those are great places to fish as well. If someone is like, you know what, I, I need to get this book, where is the best way they can purchase um, Down by the River? Just about any bookstore, actually, I'll take that back. Any bookstore can get the book. If they don't have it in stock, they can order it and quickly get it from the publisher or from a big distributor that has it on hand. It's obviously available at Amazon.com, the big big monster in the room. Um, a number of fly shops have carried it, um, and a lot of them still do carry it. And if they don't have it, there is a book distributor um, that carries the book that basically just supplies books to fly shops. Um, I, I think it would be great if people can buy it from fly shops and independent bookstores. Um, they need the business. Um, they need the support. Uh, you're in Missoula. I did an event for the book at Fact and Fiction um, back in 2018. 
Um, I did an event at Country Bookshelf in Bozeman, um, two really wonderful, wonderful bookstores. And I've signed copies for um, Sweetwater Angler, um, just south of Livingston. So yeah, those are there, there are lots and lots of places people can get it. Um, I know we talked about more fishing stories, and I'd love to just hear another fishing story from you. Um, we all have our fishing buddies. My dad was my fishing buddy. He passed away in 2017. And a couple of years before that, maybe 2015, he, he lived in North Carolina um, near the, the Neuse River, near the, the Pamlico Sound, Pamlico Bay. Excuse me. And he um, he didn't fish a lot. He lived on a creek and he would fish off his dock sometimes. But I went to visit him and um, we decided we were going to hire a guide. And I did some research of guides for the Neuse River, which is a huge, huge river, and found somebody to do an afternoon of fishing with. Um, and the night before, my, do- my dad, who was not in great health, was feeling pretty nervous about going out and we talked about it. And I said, look, if we go out and you're not comfortable and we're not having a good time, we'll just come back and it'll be fine. And so we got up uh, the next day and early in the afternoon, we met up with our guide and he had been out researching where the fish might be found um, earlier in the day. And this is not a fly fishing story. This is a a bait fishing story. Um, But we were uh, fishing for redfish and, um, you know, we baited a couple of rods and put them in holders and... We're sitting on, on the, the boat. It was a beautiful day. And suddenly one of these rods just hit. And I went and grabbed it. Um, and after probably a 10-minute fight with the biggest fish I've ever caught, um, we pulled in a, a trophy redfish. And it was probably 35 inches and 30 pounds. And the, the captain tagged it and we released it. And my father and I were just blown away. And just a few minutes later, another rod hit, and I took the rod and I brought it back to my dad, who was you know, probably 83 years old at that point. I said, you're bringing this one in. And in his chair fighting this fish, um, I have pictures of it where he's just engaged in this battle. Um, and as the fish kind of took off and was going around the boat, I took the rod from my dad and took it around the boat, brought it back to him, and he brought that fish in. And it was as big or bigger than mine was. And neither of us had ever caught a fish in freshwater that size. Um, and for the last few years of his life, that was a memory that the two of us shared. And we would just say, God, remember those fish? Oh, my God, that was what a day. And his, his wife was out of town and, and he, <laughs> she called us that night. And we were just giggling and telling her the story of these two enormous fish that we caught and I just can't think of a a better better moment uh, than sharing that with my dad. That memory just kind of reminds me of my husband's uh, father. He passed away this March uh, with dementia but before he was diagnosed they went to Guatemala and they went on a um, sailfish trip and um, it was the last time um, my father-in-law Dennis would ever go fishing again, but we made a great little video of it. And um, it's one of those things that 
we look back at it and we're like, we didn't even know that would have been his last time fishing, but um, it rejuvenated his soul. He laughed. And it's just something that you get to look back as well as probably with your father, that you get to look back and think of some fond memories, which, you know, kind of goes back to circle with your book is that, um, especially with the grandfather, you know, it's just that he continues to pass on the tradition. And that's just life continues to move on full circle. And I think that's as well with your book and the way that life really is, is that we take what we learn from the people that we admire. I'll tell you a quick story about the grandfather. Um, when April started illustrating the book, I said, if you could make the grandfather look a little bit like Yvonne Chouinard, the founder of Patagonia, um, I would like that. And <laughs> the last picture of the grandfather looks very much like Yvonne who is such an inspiration to those of us who care about the environment, who are conservationists, um, his passion, um, his life of leadership uh, in the conservation movement is just unmatched. Um, and he was kind enough to give me a really lovely quote for the book as well. But he's just, he's such an important person to us that I was really glad to honor him in that way. I love that. I think that's so it's just the details in this book that I have to say, anyone who's listening, um, even if you don't have any children, it's just a really special book. I mean, it really is. And the illustrations is this artwork in itself. And so um, if anyone has any questions or want to reach out to you, uh, what's the best way that they can contact you? Uh, is that Instagram or email? Um, either one. Instagram is great. Um, the, my Instagram handle is at Weiner Andy, so it's W-E-I-N-E-R-A-N-D-Y, um, so that's at Weiner Andy. Um, there is a, a website for the book, and that's downbytheriverbook.com, and there's a contact link there. It also has information about where the book can be bought, and I'm happy to hear from anybody uh, by email as well, um, and I can be reached at a X-W-E-I-N-E-R, that's Axweiner, at Packbell, which is P-A-C-B-E-L-L dot net, N-E-T. And I have to ask, what's what's the future? Is there going to be another book that's going to be coming out anytime yeah. soon? Yeah, well, not anytime soon, but there is, there is a sequel to it, um, which has been accepted for publication. And unfortunately, we have to look for a new illustrator because April is moving away from illustrating children's books. She has a couple of books left, but she, she isn't really a professional children's book illustrator. Um, and the fun thing about this new story is that it involves the, the main character, Art's younger sister, who is learning how to fly fish. And it's a very hard thing for Art to accept because he feels like it's his special thing and he's not sure he can share it with his little sister. But, of course, he manages to. So. Um, and it's a couple of years ago, but uh, keep your eyes open for it. Oh, you know I'm going to. That sounds like my household every morning. <laughs> I think we're constantly going through what my son wants to share with his younger sister. But very beautifully written, great illustrations. I'm sure you will find a great illustrator to do this other book. And I'm going to keep my eyes open for it. And just thank you so much for joining me today, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Lauren. It's been fun. Go to thefebruaryroom.com where you can access a complete library of our podcast and read more about our guests, their fishing stories, and favorite fly patterns. 
We're always looking for exceptional fly fishing yarns. And if you have one to spin, shoot us an email at info at the February room.com. The February room is always free. But if you feel like throwing a nickel in the pond, we appreciate any additional listener support. For companies and individuals interested in sponsorship opportunities, please contact us for our media kit. Thanks for stopping by the February Room, and we'll see you down here next week.